0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not subject us to the final test. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend to whom he goes at midnight and says, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived at my house from a journey, and I have nothing to offer him. And he says in reply from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children and I are already in bed. I cannot get up to give you anything. I tell you, if he does not get up to give the visitor the loaves because of his friendship, he will get up to give him whatever he needs because of his persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For Everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be opened What father among you would hand his son a snake if he asks for a fish or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg If you then who are wicked know how to give good gifts to your children How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The Gospel of the Lord college I had a friend and his name was Scott Johnson and Scott was from Alaska and Scott was a great wrestler he was a national champion wrestler Uh, but Scott wasn't a great skier so one time we were up on Mount Ashland and I had a couple other friends who were with us and anyway we get up to the top of the mountain and Scott's looking down this kinda cliff thing with a bunch of rocks and trees and Scott's all gung-ho and he's saying like let's go let's do it and he's so excited and uh, my other friend Patrick's looking over at him and saying Scott you, you can't do that you know we got like rocks and trees and and you really aren't going to be able to ski that uh, but Scott was all enthusiastic and energetic he goes no no I can do it I can do it let's go let's go and then finally Patrick says all right Scott show us how it's done So Scott takes about one turn and all of a sudden he hits a big snow plow or something and then everything just goes flying He loses his gloves. He loses his hat his scarf his skis his poles And Then we spent the next half hour picking up all of Scott's stuff and then finally we get it to him and uh, Patrick's I told you you couldn't do it so this is just an example, but it's absolute freedom and that's the idea of freedom where you can do whatever you want oftentimes people think that that's what freedom is all about and we hear it all the time you know it's like freedom is the ability to do whatever you want but the problem with that is that if freedom does not have any measure if there is not a sense of responsibility or discipline that goes with it or skills then freedom can lead to those kinds of tragic uh, responses and In a different kind of way, if we think that this is where freedom is at, we actually will become enslaved. So just an easy example to this is someone who thinks that, you know, well, I have the freedom to take whatever drugs I want. And then next thing you know, they get addicted. And the same sort of thing happens in many different types of bad behavior. It leads to addiction and it leads to slavery. Now, there's a different kind of freedom. And this is the one that John Paul II used to talk about. He said that true freedom is the ability to do what is good and what is right and what is just. So a few years ago, when I was in McMinnville, we had the federal prison there. And part of the federal prison is we would do masses there. And I noticed that there were all these prisoners that needed sacraments. And some of them wanted to become Catholic and never had the ability to do that. So I was doing these classes over the course of the year. Then toward the middle of the year, I thought, what am I going to do here? I am just a priest. I can't do confirmations and all these sort of things. So I call up the archdiocese, and I ask, "It's like, what do I do? I've got all these prisoners that want these various sacraments, and uh, I'm just a priest. So uh, could someone let me know what I'm supposed to do? And I get a call back, and the call was, that well the archbishop wants to come down and do the confirmations and I thought oh okay well, that's great uh, but then I called the prisoner or the prisoner, I called the prison and when I called the prison they said well unfortunately he hasn't had his background check and he hasn't had the training and you know so they're kinda of talking about all this stuff and and so finally I talked to this this um, he was one of the chaplains that I kinda of befriended I said you gotta help me out here how do we do this he goes, I'll take care of it, Father. So anyway, the next week he calls, he goes, it's all good to go. You know, so I called up the bishop, and I said, okay, bishop, let's, let's do this. Anyway, he came down, and he gave, I, I keep telling him this, it was the best homily he ever gave. You know, he's preaching to the prisoners, and it was just a beautiful thing. But that's an example of the freedom to do what is right and what is good. You know, and that's something totally different. If we want freedom we have to ground ourselves in what is right and what is good. Now the problem with what we heard in the first reading is that the people in Sodom were kind of more about the unrestricted freedom, the ability to do whatever they want. And the problem with that is it led to two bad consequences. And so one of them was what you would call decadence. It's like the the decaying of a culture and the morals in, in a particular area. And the second one was dehumanization and that's where they start looking at everyone else as objects rather than seeing the sacredness of every living human being. And anyway, God was going to let them pay the price for this. But here we have Abraham who comes into the picture and Abraham, he wants to pray for them. He wants to intercede on behalf of them. And keep in mind that Abraham also has his nephew Lot and his family, and so Abraham does what I think a lot of us do when it comes to our prayer. We start trying to bargain, you know, well, God, what if, you know, and you hear Abraham doing this, and I got to hand it to him. He, he does it better than a used car salesman because he doesn't just stop at one or two times, you know, he keeps, keeps pushing the issue. He finally gets God down to ten, you know, well, God, what if there are ten people who are righteous, you know, then would you... You know not allow this to happen and and God's well. Yeah, if if there are ten people then yes I will you know not allow it to happen But but there are a lot of good things that that are coming out of this and first of all we see Somewhat of the intention in the mind of God through the intercession of Abraham So what does God really want of us? You know you hear this all the time people say you know I want to follow God's will I want to follow my vocation and well. What is what does God want? I mean isn't that the all-important question And We do know the answer to that. I think we focus on the wrong things. We think oh if if I want to respond to God's calling in my life It has to be something Specific when it comes to like an occupation or 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 a life choice or something But but God wants us to have a few things So the first one is he wants us to freely choose him We have free will We don't have to choose God. We can choose whatever we want but God knows what is best for us and he wants us to choose him. So that's the first thing that God wants for us The second one is that God wants to be our friend That's actually more important than you think Because if we have the wrong concept of God or the wrong image of God, then we won't want, won't want to be friends with him If we think God is just this taskmaster or this harsh judge, then well who wants to pile up to that? You know it might it, it's it's a way for us to push God out of the picture and keep Him distant But if God is our friend and he's the best possible friend we could ever imagine, then that might change things. Then we might want to take him up on that invitation uh, to be his friend. And so he wants us to be friends with him. He also wants us to love what he loves and to do what he does. And again, it's kind of the, the mark of wisdom. When we love what God loves and we think like God thinks... We are truly wise people. It helps us to be able to have an insight into the way the world is that is just not possible without that. If we really love what God loves and we do what he did, then that gives us another invitation into a different way of life. This is what Jesus calls the entrance into the kingdom and it comes about through many many different things. But ultimately, it's where we are living in God's will. You know, this is the great... Gospel that he gives us, that great invitation. And so that's what God wants for us. And then finally, he wants us to offer that to those around us. And this is what we see in Abraham, that that he was interceding on behalf of Sodom so that they might be able to know God and to love what he loves and to have that conversion that they needed for that to happen. All right, now, we haven't even got to the gospel, and don't worry, I'm not going to go over all of this. But I do want to cover one specific thing, and that's the idea of perseverance. Because you might remember from a couple weeks ago when we when when I talked about parables, I said, look for the most obvious point first and then apply that in some in some way. So here he's got this story, and in this story, there's someone who wants bread because he has a visitor and he goes to his friend, but his friend, he's closed up the doors and the animals and the kids and everything's in the house, and and he doesn't want to have to get up, wake everyone up, and and do this. But the point was that if this other friend is persistent, then eventually the friend will give him what he wants. And so it's a reminder to us that this faith that we have is not a one-time deal. And it's such a common thing that happens that I'll get one of those sort of phone calls It's like, Father, bad things are happening in the house and we just need a priest to come out and bless it so it'll all go away. Actually, often they're not even Catholic. They're just people that know that things are happening in their house and they want the Catholic to come in and do the magic. They saw something on TV or a movie where a priest did this, so it's got to work. And so my response to that is almost always the same. It's like, look, I'll come out and bless your house. But you have to understand that it's not going to fix anything if you're not going to live the life of faith. Because what's really going to change things for you is when you get rid of all the sinful things and the sinful practices And any kind of strange occultic or new age practices When you start reading your Bible, praying your rosary, going to church, praying, you know Doing all the things that we're called to do as Christians Because then the devil can't get his foot in the door We've kind of done what we've needed to do to be that friend of Christ And allow him to take charge of our lives and and to really keep us in his ways And so that's also something that doesn't just happen by a priest coming in and doing a blessing It happens when we take seriously our role as people of faith We take ownership of our faith and we live it And so that's what I think Jesus is getting at that this life of faith is not a one-time moment That we can just say I believe in God. Everything's great. No, we have to kind of keep putting that into practice every day of our life Okay, the last thing I'll leave you with we heard the our father and I know you've heard that a million different times uh, but I will say that I think for most of us we tend to pray that prayer backwards All right, so let me explain what that means So typically when we pray in a crisis we say help deliver me from evil And then we say forgive me, you know because we feel sorry for things that we've done in our past And then we'll say and give me what we need give me what I want You know see what I mean? We're, we're kind of starting from the bottom and working our way up What we should do is start from the beginning hallowed be your name. You know, Lord, you are God. You know what is best. May you be glorified above all in first uh, primary importance here in this prayer. And then secondly, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help me to conform to your will rather than trying to force you to conform to my will. So the next time we pray the Our Father, uh, just maybe think about the order that we have in the Our Father and then Uh, We can maybe apply that a little bit not only in our prayer, but in the way that we live out our faith So once again, what does God want from us? Well, it was pretty simple really the first thing that he wants is that we choose him the second one is That we are friends with him that we also are able to love what he loves and do what he does and That we enter into that life that he wants to bless us with and also that we might be able to share that with others So if we're doing that, we will be doing well.